Genesis chapter 26, if you have your Bibles and would like to turn there with me today. Genesis chapter 26, I'm going to read four verses, one through three, and then I'm going to drop down to verse number 12, and I'm going to read there. I'm going to preach what I felt God speak into my spirit yesterday, and uh, hopefully it will be a help to somebody that is in the room today. How many of you ever go through hard times? And we wonder in the middle of hard times often how, Lord, what do we do in the midst of hard times? What do we do in the midst of struggle? What do we do in the midst of difficult days? And I pray by the help of the Lord, I will help somebody today uh, that may be going through it. I heard someone say one time, and I've used it and counted it as my own many times, there's about three types of people in every, in every uh, crowd. There are those who have been through it. There are those who are going through it, and there are those who are about to go through it. So wherever you fit, maybe you fit in all three of those. Somebody say amen. Uh, wherever you fit, I pray that the Lord will help you through today. Genesis chapter 26, verse number 1. And there was a famine in that land. Everybody say a famine. There was a famine in that land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. Verse number 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year an hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. I'm going to preach for a little bit today by the help of the Lord and with your participation because we understand how preaching works, right? Thank you. You already got it. I'm going to preach by the help of the Lord and by your help today, planting in a famine. Planting in a famine. Would you pray together with me? before we're seated today. Father, thank you for your word and for the power of your word. Thank you for the strength of your church, for your strong and mighty arm and your mighty hand, O oh God, which rests upon us today. Lord, I pray as I bring the word of the Lord into this congregation today and I speak life, O oh Lord, over this congregation today and as I speak hope in the midst of struggle and hardship, I pray this morning, O oh Lord, that your spirit and your power uplifts by your mighty strong arm, O oh God, and that you encourage and you help those who are downtrodden today and that you uplift those, O oh Lord, that may be in the battle and the struggle in the famine today. Lift us, O oh God. Encourage us today. And we ask in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. Speak to two or three people around you before you're, dis before you're dismissed. Before you're seated, you wish, you wish, right? Maybe, 
just maybe, the reason that there are those seasons when it seems like that you are being pressed into a place, or God is urging you to stay where you are when you really don't want to stay, maybe even feeling stuck in the midst of your struggle. Maybe it's because that God is refusing to shout above the noise that is in your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? He's trying to isolate us and oftentimes allows us in a struggle, allows us to go through a struggle to where we actually may even feel isolated for a little while so that he is able to speak to us without having to scream above all the things of this world that we have brought into our life. So he simply maneuvers us away from the crowd and the entanglements and the dreams and the hopes that we had so that we can hear his still, small voice. In the text that I read to you today, it's an interesting text because Isaac is watching everybody leave because there's famine. Everybody is leaving Going to another place, going to a place that's not in famine, going to a place that is not in struggle. And while everybody's leaving, without a doubt, Isaac has the same thought in his mind. Everybody else is leaving. I think I'm going with them. I told somebody the other day, it might have been a little bit of a fib, but I told somebody the other day, my wife told me she was leaving, and I said, give me 10 minutes, I'm packing to go with you. I was only kidding about her leaving. So Isaac sees everybody else leaving, and the word of the Lord comes to him and says, Isaac, don't leave. Stay in the famine. What was God actually thinking? There's a way out of this. I see a way out. It's to run. That's what most of us do, right? When hardship and struggle comes, difficult time, times come, we run. We run from the home. We run from the marriage. We run from the job. We run from the people that, that seem to be bringing the pain. We run from the situation. We run from the famine. And here Isaac is watching everybody else leave. And God says, don't leave. And if you stay, I'm going to bless you beyond measure. As a matter of fact, the promise of your father I'm going to give to you because you stayed through the famine. Mm, ain't nobody going to help me preach today. So he says if you stay through the famine, there's going to be a blessing that you cannot contain. But there is one catch in the middle of this and that is that you have to plant. You have to sow seed in the middle of the famine. Now there's another thing that doesn't make sense. If there is a famine, there is a reason for it being a famine. In this setting, it is believed that the reason was because there was no rain. They were in severe drought. There was no water. And now the Lord says, so in the middle of the famine, and I'm going to bless you in a way that you cannot possibly imagine. The strange thing here is 
what spoke into my spirit as I was reading through this text yesterday, as I was sitting at home for a while, in the darkest moment of famine comes the whisper of God giving us the words that lead us toward our destiny. The things that we feel that we lost by staying does not compare to what God has for us when we emerge from the famine. Because on the other side of broken, that's where blessing will come. I feel that I've heard from the Lord today and I come with what I feel that God spoke into my spirit yesterday as I sit alone in my home most of the day yesterday and I promise you the roar of the crowd will never be more powerful than the whisper of God in your dark moment. Can I help somebody today and encourage somebody today that may be going through trial and test and darkness and drought and feel like, my God, am I ever going to catch a break? Am I ever going to get find another way out? I want to tell you today that the Lord is wanting this preacher to come and speak into somebody. And I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I feel like I'm speaking to somebody. The word of the Lord today to tell you, stick it out in the middle of your hardship. Because on the other side of your broken, dry situation that you've been going through, God is wanting to bless you with promises that was not even a promise given originally to you, but maybe given to your father or your grandfather Abraham that says, I'll give you blessings that you cannot imagine. Sometimes not rolling with the crowd seems to be a very lonely place to be. But maybe God is wanting a little bit of alone time with us. In my study yesterday, and some of you Bible college students that are here in Bible school, uh, Bible scholars that may be here today may, may come up afterwards and correct me on this if I'm wrong, but the only time where I can find that God actually promised a 100-fold return on the harvest. See, he says some will return 30 and some 60 and some 100. But the only time that God ever promised a 100-fold return on a harvest was when he told Isaac to stay, to stay put in the midst of a famine. Don't go down to Egypt with everybody else and plant in their own land in the midst of the famine. God says, stick it out. I'm preaching to you today, planting in a famine. Isaac sowed his seed during a time when nobody was reaping a harvest. In fact, he sowed his seed in a time when many of God's people were fleeing Egypt due to the economic hardships that were in the land. But as others were fleeing Egypt, God speaks to Isaac and tells him not to follow the crowd, 
not to go down to Egypt, but to remain in a land where he was in, and the land was in the midst of famine. Then God speaks to Isaac, and he tells him, if you will obey me, remain in the place where you are, then I will bless you greater than you have ever been blessed before. God said, I will bless you in the land you are in. And then he said, I will bless you in the midst of famine. Now, I'm sure Isaac didn't understand everything that God was telling him other than God was saying, stay put and sow in the famine. And so here in the midst of famine, he says, stay, stay put, stay where you are. In the natural sense, it didn't make any sense. Anybody can witness today that that's often how God works. He said, just hold tight. It isn't going to make sense, but I'll make it all make sense. And when you get beyond it and you look back at it, you realize, wow, God really did see me through all of the mess that I was in. God really did get me through the mess and the hardship that I was going through. So God speaks to him. It didn't make sense. How could God bless him in the midst of his famine? How could God bless him at a time that nobody was being blessed? Even though it seemed impossible, God did exactly what he said he was going to do, and he always does. And he blessed Isaac greater than Isaac had ever been blessed. God said, sojourn in the land and I will be with thee. Can I stop and preach just a little bit? Can I tell you in the middle of your famine, in the middle of your struggle, in the middle of whatever dark days you go through, the Lord will be with you. He will not leave you because it's a dark time in your life. He will not fail you because you are going through. People may let you down. Individuals may let you down. The church may even let you down. But God will never let you down. Stay with God. Stay in the will of God. Stand on the promises of God. He will never let you down. Look at your neighbor and tell him, plant in a famine. So God says, sojourn in the land, I'll be with thee, and I will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give thee all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. Isaac obeyed the voice of God and remained in the land of the Philistines. But then Isaac did something that made no natural sense. The scripture says that Isaac sowed in that land. Now it makes good sense to me, and I consider myself a reasonably intelligent person that could make enough sense to know that if we've been in a season of, of, of drought, if we've been through six, seven, eight years of drought and nobody, all the, the meal is gone, all of the, the, the grain is gone from the barns and there's nowhere else to get anything from and you can sow in the ground but it will not produce because there's no rain, I have enough sense to know that if I'm going to sow seed, I'm going to go somewhere that I feel a little better about planting in. But Isaac sowed in the land 
in the midst of famine. He sowed in the land when nobody else was sowing. That's kind of like swimming upstream into the current. It doesn't make sense. I'm guessing that probably there were people that laughed at Isaac as they watched him sow in the land. They're thinking, what is he doing? We're packing bags, looking out the window while we're packing bags, getting ready to head down to Egypt. And they're looking out saying, what in the world is Isaac and his servants doing? They're out tilling the ground. And I see him out with the last few bags of corn that he has. And he's getting ready to sow seed into the ground in the midst of drought. Has he lost his mind? But he had a word from the Lord. Why would Isaac sow in a land that nobody else was sowing in? Isaac sowed because he had a promise. God promised to bless him beyond measure if he would stay and if he would sow. Watch. If Isaac had not have sowed, he would have never reaped. Because you cannot reap what you do not. Everybody's praying, God bless me. God pour it out, pour out abundant blessings. You hear it all the time, right? God bless me, bless me, bless me beyond measure. But they don't want to serve God. But they don't want to sow in the famine. But they don't want to pray on a difficult day. But they don't want to fast when it's not convenient. They don't want to show up to prayer meeting. They don't want to show up to a work day. They don't want to show up to church on Sunday. There's a lot of better things we have to do. But then somebody gets blessed and everybody says, Hey, I want that kind of blessing in my life. Okay, if you want that kind of blessing in your life, you're going to have to sow that kind of seed in your life. Because I can promise you, you will only reap what you sow and if you can't sow in a day of sorrow and in a day of grief and a day of despair you will never have a day of reaping when things get a little bit better well pastor I'm in the house of the Lord today but I don't really feel like worshiping God I don't really feel like praising God hey come on somebody you gotta sow even in the middle of drought I'm not feeling anything today why don't you try lifting your hand a little bit why don't you try saying thank you Jesus a little bit why don't you try saying hallelujah I'm not feeling anything pastor there's nothing happening sow in a famine sow a little worship in a famine lift up your voice and praise God in the middle of dryness and famine. I'm still not feeling it. Keep on sowing. Keep on worshiping. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on letting your faith out. Before long you will reap if you faint not. Oh somebody give the Lord a shout of praise in the house. Hallelujah. You will reap if you faint not. Yes. Isaac, what are you doing? In spite of what people are saying, in spite of the famine, in spite of the fact that all the natural things around him were saying, you shouldn't sow, he sowed his seed anyway. 
there is something special to me. I'm not sure maybe there is a biblical thread. I didn't do my research to point it out to you today. But for me, there is something very special as, as a lifetime as a lifetime uh, ministry kid growing up in, and around the ministry, my father being a pastor and then following his footsteps and being in ministry, when I watch people go through difficult times and they don't get grouchy about it and they don't get negative about it and they don't throw in the towel because they're having a few bad days or a few bad months, But on the worst day of their life, they can lift up their hands and say, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to sow in my famine. I'm going, to keep, I'm going to keep praising in my famine. I'm going to keep worshiping in my famine. I'm going to be faithful in my famine. It's, I'm, I know it's been a long time. I haven't been blessed in a long time, but I've got the confidence to know that if I'll just be faithful, if I'll just keep on sowing in the famine, it won't be long till rain's going to come till the seed that I'm sowing is going to be blessed. If I'll just keep on enduring until the end, the same shall. I'll be saved. So there's something special about people that sow in the middle of difficulty. I believe that seeds sown in the hard times and the difficult times, uh, it, it certainly gets my attention. And I, I'm not so sure that it doesn't get the attention of God. Because God tells Isaac to do exactly that. Stick it out, don't run. And so. Invest, everybody say invest. Invest into what seems like it's falling apart. Wow. Well, my kids are falling apart, invest in them. Well, my marriage is falling apart, invest in them. By the way, can I put a little plug in? We've got a marriage retreat coming up here before too long in Columbus, Indiana. There was about 13 couples went last year. We ought to have about 20 couples that go this year. Well, pastor, I can't afford it. You can't afford not to. Invest into your marriage. Well, things are going good. Awesome. Invest in it. Well, things are going so bad I'm going to give up. Awesome. Invest in it. Invest in it in the middle of drought, in the middle of famine. Invest into, and you're going to see a reward. Isaac sowed in the midst of famine. He sowed during a time when nobody else would even think of sowing. It looked foolish in the natural ram. But notice what happened to his seed. The scripture said, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. Now here is the miraculous involved. The law of sowing and reaping is pointed out in the scripture. And it's just like this. Not every seed that we sow will spring forth and bring forth fruit. We've learned that, right? We can't get discouraged because some seed that is, sow- that is sowed will fall onto st- to- to stony ground. And some seed that is sowed, will, it will fall among the thorns and the thistles and it will be choked out. 
but some will fall on good ground. And any of you who've ever gardened, who've ever spent any time at all, know not every seed that you plant is going to come forth. But Isaac's did. I'm telling you, every grain that he put in the ground brought forth a hundredfold. Isaac didn't receive 30, 60, or 90. He received a hundredfold on the seed that he sowed. Remember that he did this in the midst of famine. This is the only time that I recall God promising this hundredfold harvest. But there is a little twist that I saw here in this text that I found a little interesting about Isaac's harvest. I believe, first of all, that God wants to bless His people. And God wants to bless His people in the midst of hard times. God wants His people to have more than enough. While people in the world may not have enough, remember one of the names of God in the Hebrew is El Shaddai, which means the God of more than enough. Mm. Oh, I could preach on that a little while. The God of more than enough. The praise team sings that song sometimes. He's my El Shaddai. He always looks out for me. My God is more than enough. He supplies all my need. So I ask you a question today. Could it be that Isaac had something to do with the hundredfold revival or the hundredfold harvest? <coughs> Everybody seems to be waiting for God to drop a blessing in their hand. Every televangelist is preaching that kind of doctrine. Just sow a little seed into my ministry and God's going to drop you a hundredfold revival. I wish it was that easy. If any of you want to try it, I'll be glad to allow you to. But if I understand this text correctly, and if I see what's going on in Isaac's life, maybe... God put some things, he put, number one, God put his promise into Isaac and said, if you'll sow in the land, I will bless you in the land. But he also perhaps put some responsibility on Isaac. Could it be that God is waiting on us to do what nobody else is doing? Could it be that God is waiting to see if we're going to follow the path that everybody else is taking or if we're going to take the path less traveled that is in line with the will of God? Let me sidetrack this message just a little bit last Sunday. Of course, you know we did not have a Sunday evening service, which is unusual for us. But since we celebrated Memorial Weekend and had our groundbreaking ceremony and all the great weekend events that we had, no Sunday evening service. And of course, Pastor Dan Mitchell from Columbus, Indiana was with us and spoke last Sunday. And so Sunday evening, my wife and I and Danny and Cheryl invited them to go to dinner. And so we went to Lafayette to one of the fine eating establishments there. And when we got there, we, we sat down and just a few moments later, 
We had a gentleman that I am acquainted with, a former neighbor of ours, and he 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 dropped. They we just looked over and saw them sitting down at a table. Literally, could reach over and shake his hand, just sitting in the chair. And so my wife and I spoke to them, and we struck up a conversation. And immediately the conversation kind of took a quick turn and said, "Hey." I saw this was a big weekend for you guys and for your church. And I said, yes, it was. And he said, listen, i got to ask you something. I said, okay. He said, while I'm noticing, he says, and he speaks of the church that he attends, and he said, I'm noticing that mainstream denominations, I'm noticing that attendance is declining. I'm noticing that, that, and he starts calling denominations, and he says they're closing churches, and they're merging churches together to try to keep a church established. He says, I'm, I'm watching churches close doors, and I'm watching churches as they are, as, as, as they're on the decline, and I'm, 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 I'm just amazed that your church is growing. And he said, you're, you're beyond capacity on special event days, and, and you're, you're moving moving and you've bought property and you're expanding. He said, nobody's expanding in these days. Churches aren't building in these days. He said, can I ask you a question? What is it that is different about Christian Life Church and my church and all the other denominal churches? Well, I wanted bad to tell him the truth. But I just looked at him and I said, I tell you what, why don't you show up next Sunday and find out for yourself? I said, matter of fact, just come a few weeks and let us be a good case study. Write a good excerpt on it and you being an educated man, I'll be glad to promote it for you when you figure out. I'm going to tell you what it is, ladies and gentlemen. It is not that we're following the path of tradition and the path that everybody else... I'm not speaking against or gloating in the fact that any church may be losing members. Please don't take this wrong. But I am telling you that I refuse to follow the path just because somebody said, well, this is just the path. I want to be in the Word of God. I want to stand in the Word of God. I want to sow in the midst of famine. Everybody else says, well, things aren't looking good. Churches aren't growing. Let's just stay like we are. That's a bunch of baloney. We're a growing church, a thriving church. My Bible says that in the last days there would be an end time revival, a harvest of souls. I want to be part of that kind of church. We are sowing in the midst of famine. I know it's crazy, isn't it? But it's cool. In these last days, God wants to bless His people. And God wants to bless His church greater than He has ever blessed before. There's one thing that I noticed about Isaac in Scripture, and I've got to hurry because, wow, they take all my time up. They sing all these songs. Oh, If they weren't so good, I'd tell them to cut it back. There's something I noticed about Isaac in Scripture. He was always digging wells. Are you ready? Here goes the hook for this little message, all right? He was always digging wells. He was digging out old wells. He was putting in new wells. He taught his servants to dig wells. Oh my, I feel the Holy Ghost all up in here today because we're going somewhere with this. He was always digging wells. He was always finding water. 
Obviously, there was no rain, so there's only one way to find water, and that is to dig in deep. I'm going to tell you something. You don't dig a well overnight. You don't dig a well in a day or two, particularly in the way that they dug wells back then. You can't even dig a well today in just a few. With a, with a modern machinery in those days, it was done by hand. It was a laborious task. They had to, they had to put down some roots. They had to decide they're going to stay and they're going to stick it out. I come today to tell somebody that if you want to reap a harvest, you're going to have to get to where some water is so you can water the crop in the middle of the drought, in the middle of the dry season, in the middle of the famine, I believe Isaac had a little understanding that the rest of the people didn't have because his father Abraham had gone down a little earlier to Egypt and he saw how that they had gotten water from the Nile to water the crop in the middle of the desert in Egypt was, was flourishing through their irrigational systems. Isaac comes back and says, hey, my dad dug out some wells. Come on, boys. We're going to dig back into the old well that grandpa used to drink from. And we're going to get some water out of the well of salvation. And we're going to water the crop of the glory of God in the middle of the dry season. Come on, somebody. I came today to tell you that you got to get down into the well. And you got to water the crop in the middle. Nobody else has a harvest. How you're going to have a harvest in the middle of dry season because I know about wells and I know about water and I'm going to get down into the glory of God, get down into the spirit of God and get some water that I may reap a harvest. Oh, somebody give God praise. I'm almost done. Genesis 26 says, And Isaac digged again the wells of water. He said... In verse 18 and 19, he digged again the wells of water. In verse 21 and 22, it said, And they digged another well. In verse 25, it said, And he built an altar there. My Lord, I wish I had time to preach this how I'm feeling it today. You don't build altars in just a moment. Somebody's got to decide I'm not running. Somebody else said, well, I'm leaving this church, leaving that church. Why don't you put down some roots somewhere and decide I'm going to stay? I feel bold in the Holy Ghost today when I'm preaching to somebody. You can run to this church and that church because they have a little shower coming down on Sunday. Brag about it two or three weeks and fizzle out with the rest of them. But I'm going to tell you what's different about a church that puts down some roots and digs down into some wells and says, I'm going to stay in the middle of hardship, in the middle of struggle, through the storm and through the night, through the drought and through the difficulty. I'm going to stick it out that I may receive a harvest in the hard times. Stand with me and give God high praise all over the house today. Come on, give him praise. 
You may be in the middle of drought today. Draw water out of the well of salvation. With joy we draw water out of the well of salvation. Come on, reach down into the well and find some water to water the harvest. God's going to give it to you. Your children can be saved. Your marriage can be saved. Your family can be saved. Your answer to prayer can come. Oh, come on, somebody. Throw both hands in the air and commit to the Lord. I'm not running from your presence. I'm digging deep here in the middle of my dry season. Oh, you're going to reap. You're going to reap. You're going to reap. You're going to reap if you faint not. It takes a boldness. It takes a boldness child of God to put your feet in the ground and to look the enemy in the eye and say I've been in drought a long time but I'm planting well there ain't no water falling from heaven I'm going to do my part they became familiar with wells I'll stand here and draw water and water every twig that comes up out of the ground I'll water it with I'll do my part and God will bless a hundredfold Whatever it is that God may be calling you to, maybe it's a ministry God is calling you to, maybe it's something God is speaking into your spirit. When you do your part, God will always do His part. The man of God, the prophet of God, Elisha, he tells the people in the middle of the famine, Brother Danny, he says, Dig some ditches. It hadn't rained in a long time. About seven years ain't been no rain. It's hot. It's dry. And you're telling me to dig ditches? Whoo! Let's hire somebody to do that. Digging ditches? It's famine. Dig ditches. Dig them by faith. He said, because God is going to fill the ditches with water. Just like the prophet said. It didn't even come the way he thought it was going to come. He thought it was going to come in the form of rain, but instead the rain came up north. The water came flooding down from uphill, comes running down and fills the ditches until the ditches overflowed. Here's the catch. The catch is, he said, fill the valley with ditches. Well, you know, the Bible says a lot of things. Fill the valley with ditches, okay. I'm going to dig a little one foot by one foot, ten foot long. I'm going to call that a full valley. It's hot out here. It's drought here. You know, I, I'm going to come to church on Sunday, and I'm going to, you know, I'll pay my tithe, and I'll say hallelujah a few times, and I may even walk up to the front, but, you know, that's about as far as I'm going to go. The preacher's coming today to tell you, why don't you dig some ditches? Because according to the size of the ditch that you dig, in the middle of your drought, in the middle of your dry season, that's the amount of water you're going to be able to retain. Because the more work that you do in the middle of your drought, the greater your blessing will be when the drought is over. I'm speaking into somebody's spirit today. I open these altars. 
If you've been going through drought, you've been going through dry season, you feel like nobody knows where you are, I dare you today to step out from where you are, make your way to the front of this room and declare, God, I want to put down some stakes. I'm going to dig some wells. I'm going to dig some ditches. Lord, because I know that you're going to send the water to fill them. I know, God, that I can't come up with it on my own, but you're going to help me through it. God bless those of you that are responding today. I preach to some of you today. You should be responding to what God is speaking. You're in the midst of drought. God is wanting to bless you. So, so in this land, so in the middle of your drought, send up some worship to God. Send up some prayer to God. Declare, I'm not running. I'm going to sow. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.